Welcome to Rooftop Report, a key safety podcast where we will be discussing everything from fall protection misconceptions to how key safety is making a difference in the improving safety for today's workforce. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Rooftop Report, a podcast produced by Key Safety and focused on providing you with the knowledge and expertise that you need to separate your people from hazards. I'm your host, Dan Huntington, and today our guest is the authority in fall protection, Mr. Thomas Kramer. Tom is a managing principal at LJB Inc., chair of the ANSI Z359 Fall Protection Committee, board member of the American Society of Safety Professionals, president of the International Society of Fall Protection, and Tom has presented on the topic of fall protection all over the U.S. and globe. Today, we're going to discuss Tom's view on the fall protection industry and the need for innovation to ensure a safe future. Tom, I want to thank you so much for joining our podcast and your willingness to share your knowledge today. Thank you. Dan, Dan, glad to be here and looking forward to the discussion. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. Now, Tom, you are such an esteemed name uh, in the world of fall protection. I'm not just saying that because you're here. I say it even when you're not here. I appreciate the kind words. And, yeah, thank you. and before we get started, I want our audience to kind of understand your experience in the industry. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey through the fall protection industry? Absolutely. And I first have to thank God for all the folks that who have out there that have mentored me and continue to mentor me. And, and I'm only able to do what I do because of them. So uh, so thanks to, to all the folks out there and they know who they are. But, uh, you know, starting back at the beginning, I, I got a couple of degrees in engineering and didn't have any mind of, of doing anything in the occupational safety industry. And I came to, the, to work at LJB and they were doing something called fall protection. And I kind of scratched my head because I thought fall protection was safety. And I was an engineer and I wanted to do engineering and I didn't really see the connection, but they encouraged me. They said, you know, fall protection is always a combination of safety and engineering. So here's mm -hmm. what, you know, what we do and here's how we do it. So I uh, said, okay, give it a shot. Uh, you know, things kind of happened and I started to get more involved in, in the fall protection specific projects. We had an opening at LJB to, to serve on the ANSI committee. Uh, and, and that's, that's, you know, if you've never been to an ANSI meeting can be very, very intimidating and maybe it's just me, but, uh, you know, you have nothing but subject matter experts or pretty much subject matter experts on the area of fall protection and it can be very, very intimidating. And, uh, but mm -hmm. I had a great exchange with Randy, which led me to, you know, promote, you know, a different way to, to maybe organize the standards that led me to chair standard, which led to me to be the vice chair and chair. So you just have to really step up, you know, even though you're in a, 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 a a big group like that just share your thoughts and and they're very appreciative and uh, you never know what will happen uh, from there. So that's that's a short history on on Tom Kramer and fall protection. And how many years has that been since you kind of started till now? Yeah, so uh, so I actually celebrated my 25th anniversary here at LJB back on May the 1st. And uh, wow. I think I've been ANSI committee ass so about 15 uh, about 15 years or so a little bit more than 15 years. So it's it's been a while and uh, but I hopefully have a lot more years to go. So that's it. Congratulations on the two milestones. That's appreciate that. That's very impressive. Um, and I, I would like to know a little bit more about, you know, in, in the world of fall protection, we come across kind of personal experiences um, sure. that mean a lot to us. And 
and encourage people or almost give you the the drive to stay in the industry mm -hmm. for 25 plus years sure. what personal experience has made the biggest impact on you and provided you with that drive to just stay in it and keep doing what you're doing dan you bring up a great question because i don't think a lot of people go to uh you know in grade school or go into college and want to be a fall protection engineer most people don't even know about the uh the the industry and what's involved in the industry. And so where it changed for me was um, Memorial Day weekend, uh, 1998. It was, the, it was the Friday before the weekend. And I got a call from a contractor we have done some uh, work for designing some fall protection systems. He's their safety director. And he said, Tom, we had a fall down at one of our sites in, in Florida. They were building a, a water treatment plant. And he said, a uh, guy was on top of a concrete wall. You can kind of imagine about 20 feet in the air and the, the rebar sticks up through. And, uh, and his mm -hmm. job was to they call a hickey hickey stick, and, and they bend over the rebar to form the horizontal element. So hopefully that gives you a nice mental yep. picture. And he gets one of those, and he pushed the bar, and it slipped, fell headfirst down towards a concrete slab twenty feet below, and he got caught by a horizontal lifeline I designed. And you talk wow. about making making you realize why the Lord put you on the earth. It's you know from there, and and I I try to talk to this to our folks about it. We found one life that day. And, and if we wow. do things, if we continue to do things, we'll find another life. And if we do things really, really well, there's more lives out there that we can find. And, and if, it's, if it, we just find one life, that's worth it. But again, if we do things really, really well, there's a lot more lives out there and a lot more positive outcomes we can have on people's, people's families. And so that's, that's really what drives me is, is finding that next life. And so whether it's, whether it's through doing a design, whether it's through, you know, talking at a conference, whether it's through podcasts like this. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited is just finding different avenues to try to find that next person. And Dan, I appreciate you letting me be on the podcast to try to help find that. That That's powerful, Tom. I have goosebumps just hearing that story. I remember when I first started in fall protection, I got the, the call on the back end, a reactive call, mm -hmm. not a proactive call. Yes with a fatal, fatal fall through a skylight in the city of Boston. And I just remember, you know, going up, providing the quote and thinking, man, like this, this could have been avoided. This is so sad that we're prevented. reacting yeah. to this. It, 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 it's, it's, you know, well over stuff. 95%. Yeah. Over 95% of the, the, the fatal, uh, uh, fatal incidents are preventable or, or where there's a permanent disability. It's, and it's probably closer to 90% or 100%, but you know, I, I say 95% just because I'm an engineer. I like to give myself wiggle room. <laughs> Margin of error. Is that we have that, yeah, exactly. We, you know, <laughs> these fatalities that we see, the, you know, the roughly 800 every year are preventable. It's just, you know, can we, can we get there before the incident? Yeah, great point. Yeah, yeah. And I think, again, to what you were saying, it's, it starts with education. It starts with knowledge. Um, you know, and it starts with with people really taking it seriously, and then listening to um, experts like you, which kind of takes me into my next question, which is, you know, over the last five years, and you can even expand beyond five years. I'm just kind of wondering sure. what trends have you seen in the industry that you find maybe surprising or that you would like people to know about. Yeah, uh, one of the trends, and, and we're in the process on the Z359 committee as far as creating a standard to address these, is the, is the personal SRLs, those smaller SRLs that are usually uh, mounted you know, near the dorsal D-ring of the, of the full body harness, and, um, and sometimes the misconceptions associated with them. 
you know, sometimes they're sold as a safer alternative to a lanyard. But when you kind of break it down and you look at the requirements according to Z359 plus how they're used in the field, they're not always safer. In an overhead location, typically, yes, that will be much safer. But, but you know, especially in the construction environment, those uh, personal SRLs own, aren't always used overhead. And they're, so they're not always as, uh, as, as safe as a, uh, as a twin link lanyard. And so I think just you know, looking at that, unpacking that simple statement, but then expanding it to all products of equipment can really just challenge some assumptions uh, that we see out there in the field. So that's that's one item, you know, somewhat related to that uh, is is um, is is the recalls that we're seeing in the industry. We're seeing a lot more recalls, I think, lately. Some related to personal personal SRLs, some related to other items. But I I think that's somewhat more related to some of the consolidation we're seeing in the industry. But then also realizing that that the industry is still immature. There's still a lot of maturing going on with with product. And again, that's where I, I, I look to the ANSI standards and say, how can we look for those failure mechanisms? You know, that in my classical training for, uh, for, for engineering, we looked at each of the failure mechanisms for the structures and we, we put a calculation or we put a, some sort of a design around that. And, and that's the sort of discipline we need to get to for product. And we're getting there. It's, it's just a slow process, uh, but we'll, we'll talk more about that later. But it's, it's something we'll see it still be going. Now, now, Dan, how far back could I go? You, you mentioned five years or so. Can I go back maybe 20, 25 years? For, for I some... mean, you've, you've got the history, the experience, <laughs> so you go back as far as you want. So, so one thing I always try to share with folks is when was the first U.S. fall protection regulation? When did, when did it come out? And, you know, obviously, you know, 1926 subpart M, the, the construction fall protection regulation. And, and while it just focused on the construction industry, it obviously had a bigger impact on, you know, just the, the overall uh, fall protection industry here in the U.S. And so you, I start, I, I like to use that as benchmark because the numbers should be going down since then. And when you look at some of the data, you know, we've had, you know, since 95, we've had more regulations. We now have roughly four regulations on fall protection, four modern regulations on fall protection. Uh, the number of ANSI standards have gone from uh, about 100 pages to about, you know, getting close to, if not over 1,000 pages now. Hmm. The amount of money spent on equipment has gone up about, I think it's about 160%. It used to be a roughly $300 million industry. Now it's roughly a $800 million industry. And some people would argue closer to a billion dollars. And that's, that's really just the PPE. Citations yeah. from OSHA has been uh, the number one since, uh, you know, over the past nine years. We've, uh, we've seen a decrease in workplace fatalities. So overall, our workplaces are getting safer. And yet the number of fall fatalities has increased over 20%. And, and it really has kept the, the number of hours that have increased from a, from a workplace employment standpoint. And so that's, that always makes me kind of sit back and scratch my head. More regulations, more standards, more equipment, uh, more citations, fewer workplace fatalities, and yet more fall fatalities. And, and so... Well, I could, you know, spend time talking about that. It, it's it's something that we need to we need to reverse that. We we need to obviously yeah. go down, and you know, we could spend some time talking about some of those other items later. But that that's a that's a trend that we need to address, and we need to think about in terms of the entire industry moving forward. Or I don't think we can be successful as far as the work that we do uh, in this field. I'm I'm always surprised when I walk through a facility. You know, that's what I spend most of my working mm -hmm. days doing. Sure. And 
and you're you're with a safety professional, and they would never imagine letting you cross through the warehouse, you know, without wearing safety glasses, Mm -hmm. hearing protection, steel toe boots, staying on the yellow line behind the guardrail. Sure. Um, No matter what. Then we go up onto the roof, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing. Sure. As far as safety, and it's like, well, like you're really knocking it out of the park. Yeah. You know about 12 feet below us sure and then as soon as we get up onto the roof it's like a totally different world and i i think part of it i think it's maybe even two part one is education right you don't think of that sure and another part is out of sight out of mind you know the safety manager and visitor you know you're not seeing it every day Mm -hmm. because you're only going up there when needed when responding to an equipment breakdown or doing uh like a pm check so I always find that interesting that, you know, like you said, workplace fatalities are dropping, mm-hmm. but fall fatalities are increasing. It, it, it doesn't make sense. Sure. It, I can't wrap my mind around it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's such a good, a good point to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of would like to hear, you know, in your experience, I know you do a lot of trainings. And like I said in the beginning, you, you travel around doing, you know, globally speaking on the topic of fall protection. What are some of the most popular misconceptions surrounding fall protection that you find yourself addressing time and time again? Well, before the, you know, getting back to your point about roof fall protection, you know, one of the common ones was the safe distance to an unprotected edge. Yeah. Uh, you know, before 1910, Subpart DNI talked about, you know, the, the 15 feet for infrequent and temporary type situations and having administrative control, people would always say, well, you know, as long as I wasn't, you know, closer than six feet, I'm okay. Yep. And yet there was was just a rule of thumb that everyone used and, and no one ever kind of took the time to kind of do the diligence and kind of look through there. And, and while OSHA has clarified that now, it's, I, I think that was one of the popular misconceptions out there that we would, it seems like address at every fall protection class. And uh, another misconception that I think people on the back end of a course would, would take a different look at was, if I'm wearing a harness, I'm safe, or I'm tied off, so I'm safe. And you know, mm. I have this little uh, YouTube video where you know tied off does not equal safe. And, and you know where what I'm hearing people say nowadays is, well, I used to look up there and just say, if I saw him tied off, you know, check check the box and, and you know go on to the next item. But now they're looking up there to see, you know, where are they tied off to? What other equipment are they using? You know, is the fit of the harness proper? You know, what yeah. about their clearances and so on? So. So I think people are starting to evolve that, but uh, but it's still that's that's a that's a popular misconception, and you know I could go into just different ways as far as you know why that's the fact you know from the uh, how they were first introduced to fall protection, the origins of equipment, and fundamentally how it's different from other PPE. But I'll let you decide if you want to go down that path. Yeah, I I I was laughing to myself when you talked about distance to the roof edge you, know, you talked about the six foot mm-hmm. rule you know because i hear that all the time oh yeah you know, we're more than six feet away we're fine and i'm like well yeah. according to what like what are you doing up here yeah oh it's six feet i'm i'm good <laughs> that i i always laugh at that because it, it totally is there's just sure. so many misconceptions um but i am interested in something i a concept that i've heard you talk on in the past which is how the origins of the equipment, the intended use of the equipment that we have today, impacts potential misuse of trying to apply it in a different work sure. position. 
Can can you talk on that a little bit? Yeah. yeah. So 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 think about just mentally think about you know what were the first first trades that used fall protection equipment and and some people jump up and they'll say well steel erectors right you know that you know they were walking steel they were using fall protection but when you look at the pictures of the you know New York City uh, skyline when they were doing those uh, those very famous photos those folks aren't wearing anything no. so so look up you know the people we clean the windows or the people climbing utility poles, or, you know, I'm a big uh, fan of the History Channel, and it seems like every six months they have the, the Hoover Dam being built. And they show the guys, you know, they, they have their, uh, their rigging, and they get lowered down the rock, they, they drill into the rock face, load the explosives, pull them up, and then blow the face. And, and so those were work positioning systems, suspension systems. And, and fundamentally, those were a tool for access. Those workers, the utility pole climber, the, the window cleaner, the, the person you know, scaling the rock face, they couldn't do their job without that system. And so, uh, plus they were actively you know, putting load on that system. You know, compare that to how many workers, not all, but many workers today use their fall protection equipment. They use it in case I go through a fall. And so, you know, back, back uh, in those origins of fall protection equipment, when if they had a, a bad piece of rigging or if they forgot to make certain connections or if they didn't do proper inspections, in many cases, if they had an incident, they, they died. It was it was a very, very bad day. But now, kind of you know, fast forward to today, how most workers use that, they could in essence do everything wrong with their fall protection system. But if they don't fall, they're considered what? They're, they're considered yeah, safe. Yeah, they're thought that they're safe, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so we could be doing everything wrong and people learning from doing everything wrong. And yet, as long as I don't, they don't fall, they're considered safe. And so I think we need to shift that mindset to thinking about from the worker's point of view, if the worker makes a mistake, do we have enough capacity in the system such that it doesn't result in a fatality or a serious injury? And so, so I think about, you know, redundancy, resiliency in the in the system and the procedures and the processes to make sure that, uh, because we all make mistakes, making sure that those mistakes aren't, aren't apparent. Because if we just judge it on whether or not people have fallen and, and been injured or, or worse, uh, that's not really gonna be a good measure, but we need to think about, you know, what are some leading measures we can think about as far as their fall protection systems. So that's just that's just one item. And there's a couple other that, that bounce in my mind, but. Uh, but that's probably the, the the most one. The origins of fall protection equipment is is really much different than than where we're at today. And and I do think that that those misconceptions, you know, that are so prevalent in fall protection, have to be one of the driving factors towards you know a twenty percent increase in fatalities Absolutely. over the years. Yeah. Um. You know, this I use the term a feeling of false security while you're yes. on the roof. You're well, going to act in a way that's more dangerous because you think you're safe than if you had nothing. But but I think I think you know, and you bring up the roof example, Dan, and and I think there's another item, and and again, this 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 one isn't my own. This one is uh, Sean Smith from the U.S. Navy. I heard him use this before, and I love it. You you can do a quick risk assessment of everyone's tolerance when it comes to falls from heights by asking them one of two questions: How do they put up their holiday lights? Or how do they clean their gutters? <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's it's yeah it's the simplest of questions and and you know think about it think about you know what what do 
what what's the lowest what's the lowest end not not that they're scared of heights but just you know I, i'm at the lowest end i i clean my gutters you know my, my boys laugh at me i have these you know sections of tube duct taped together with a gooseneck on the end and i'm able to blow out the gutters on my two-story house with my feet firmly planted on the yep. ground and same thing with my holiday lights i'm i'm able to put up my holiday lights you know 15 20 feet on my trees but i have an aluminum pole with a broom uh with a broom head on it I'm able to pull up those lights. I just make sure it's not lightning or thunderstorms and so yep. forth. And, and and I go and I go about and do my work. So so that's you know I keep my feet firmly planted on the ground 95 plus percent of the time. But then you have folks that that use ladders, portable ladders, which it's safer than than others, but but it's still elevating the person. But then you have the folks that that climb up on the roofs to do the work to clean out the gutters or to uh, to put up the holiday lights. And the reason why that's important is is, you know, who do you learn how to clean out your gutters or how to put up your holiday lights? Who, who do you learn from, Ron? Um, yeah, Dan? from your father from, you or your, your parents, right? Yeah, from, from your father, from your parents, from yeah. your brother, from your aunt, grandparents, whatever. And so that's somebody that loved you and you've learned it probably over, you know, 10, 20 years ago. So, so you, you have this, you know, somebody who loved you, taught you something, and, you know, they probably shared, well, just... You can go to the edge, just be very, very careful. And so that mindset is in your mind when you go to that edge. And so that's why workers go to the edge thinking everything's going to be fine, just as long as I be careful, because they learned about it so much long, uh, so long ago that it's, it's just ingrained in them. So we have to overcome that. And so that's why just asking that question that, that Sean shared one time with me is very powerful because it allows you to engage in a conversation that, Okay, I, I hear you as far as, you know, how you learn that and what you do. However, on this site, this is why we need you to do something separately, something differently. And so I think it, it's a nice entry to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with the people out there in the field. And I, I like that you're bringing this up, and I'm going to go, you know, a little bit on a, a bunny trail here. Um, but I talk mm -hmm. about this sometimes when when people ask me what patterns or trends that I've seen, you know, and I've haven't been in the industry a long sure. time. I've been doing this for about nine years. And what I've noticed mm -hmm. is that, you know, safety professionals, when I first started, they typically were not a, a licensed or a trained safety professional. They started out, you know, maybe as a facilities or maintenance person started to go into retirement and they said, all right, you know, Bob, you're the safety guy now. You don't have to go clean filters anymore. And how did he do it? He did exactly what you just said. All right, we're going to do this the way that I've always done it for the last 20 years. Just be really careful while you're near the edge. I never fell. You'll mm -hmm. be fine. And then sure. I feel like now, and this could be, you know, exposure bias, right? This isn't, I haven't studied mm -hmm. this. Um, sure. But I do feel that there's kind of a newer generation of safety professionals who are, you know, degreed professionals who have studied safety. Mm -hmm who have read the regulations and who grew up in a much more safety conscious era, right? Like I always joke like this with my dad, his first car didn't have seatbelts on it. My trampoline had a safety net around it. So, sure, you know, kind of that, that the cultural mindset is, is kind of shifting to be more safety minded than ever before. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing that in the solutions that safe, our safety professionals are looking for, right? They want something that's foolproof, set it and forget it, sure. fall protection. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry mm -hmm. about what my fall distance is or what my swing fall is. 
I don't have to worry about my my rescue plan. You know, you're you're behind a guardrail, or you know, we build a parapet really mm-hmm. tall, or we're gonna roof over that skylight screen or that skylight, eliminate the hazard. So I I do see that kind of change um, starting sure. to happen, but it's been a long journey for sure, especially you know looking at it over the last twenty years. So I think I kind of want to know. Yeah. You know what are what are your kind of views on that, and what are your views on the future of fall protection, and where you hope we need to go, and what we need to do to get there? Yeah, you know, it, you bring up a great point because if we just rely on our own experiences, you know, it's it's going to be a long time for change. And, and you know, I'm not sure who who's who this quote could be attributed to, but you know, a wise person learns from their mistakes. A, a wiser person learns from other people's mistakes. You know, mm-hmm. so so as I. As I look to the future, what I hope is, you know, I'll go to where Key Safety is headquartered in the UK. And, and when you look at their statistics compared to the US, just from a pure fatality standpoint, in, in the year 2016, the US had 849 fall fatalities, the UK had 25. Now, obviously, the US is a larger economy than the UK, about, you know, eight to 10 times larger. So when you, when you take that into a factor, it's, it's, we still have about, uh, you know, a third to, a, you know, the, the UK has about a third to a quarter of the fall fatalities that the US has. And I think that, that you know, that, that, that spread is even greater when you, when you look at the non-fatal permanent disabilities. That's where I think we need to look at and say, you know, not to take their regulatory framework and copy it over here, because, you know, that, that obviously, you know, there's cultural differences that would prevent that. But how can we look at their items like the, uh, the, the construction design management regulation and, and, and take that into our, our standards or, or our processes in a little bit more uh, you know, specific way? How can we look at their items on hierarchy of control? Because in the UK, if you're, if you're using a less safer alternative, you can still be fined. Uh, whereas here in the US, as long as you have, and OSHA even use this language in their uh, revised subpart DNI where they consider all the options such as guardrail and personal fall arrest, personal fall protection systems, equally safe. Whereas safety professionals, we don't, we we know that that's not true, and, and I think that's that's where we need to get to is is taking a much more mindset of hierarchy of control using the uh, you need you know, using the guardrail systems, even if you know they're penetrating or non-penetrating on the roof, but but using products like that that prevent it, uh, prevent the exposure from the fall. That's why I liked in your, uh, your introduction where you're talking about separating your people from hazards. That, that's saying that we're not exposed to the hazard, and that's that passive barrier that guardrail provides, uh, whether it's on a roof or not, that I think we need to move to. Uh, I was fortunate enough to speak at the, uh, the London Work at Heights uh, seminar last year. And you know, as, as, as I was looking around town, there's so much more scaffolding, there's so much there's so much less use of fall arrest systems. And it's just something that I think we need to look at how do we incorporate here in that, that in the United States to make sure that we have the better outcomes for those workers at height. And speaking of, you know, speaking of the workers at height, the people that are working, putting their lives at risk to get the, the job done. You know, I know it, it happens frequently in the U.S. where one of those workers is asked to do something that is unsafe and they don't have the proper mm-hmm. safety equipment or they're in an environment, you know, that doesn't have passive uh, protection to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. As the authority, yeah. right, as, as a leading expert in the world of fall protection, 
what empowering okay. statement would you give to that worker who finds himself in that position? Well, Dan, that's tough. <laughs> I <could laughs> no answer. pressure. So, so yeah, no pressure, no pressure. So, you know, am I talking to a worker at a large U.S. firm? What about a small business? You know, with the reach nowadays, you know, I'm sure that uh, we have people overseas that are listening to this. There's a there's a lot of ways I can do that. So let me just kind of maybe take a generic case and and see how we go how it goes from there. But yeah. um, our past CEO here at LJB, Mark Thompson, always said just simply enough, safety is just good business. Um, mm. So so hopefully that's that's a that's a you know an empowering statement that that a worker can take to their leadership or management to say, hey, this is just good business. But I'll break that down. You know, how do you relate the the safety and the and the and the good business aspects because that that's how your leadership's going to respond. Well, you know, prove it to me. Yeah. And, and I, where my mind goes is is Edward Deming. You know, the father of modern modern quality once said, "If you improve quality, you automatically improve productivity." And so now that improving productivity is something that you know a manager or leader is going to listen to. You know, tell me more about that. Well, you know, I relate you know quality and safety in this way. Quality is a measurable process and outcome that's associated with a product or service of your organization. What do you build or, or what do you do that, that can be measured from a quality perspective? In the same way, I think safety is a measurable process and outcome associated with the, the, the person uh, or the people, the, the property and the environment. And so there's a lot of similarities in safety and quality. So if you want to improve safety, you would have that resulting improvement in productivity. And, and that's where, you know, going mm -hmm. back to another university Tonight, grad Joseph Strauss, were, who revolutionized the safety associated with bridge construction way back in the 1930s with the Golden Gate Bridge, there was a significant resulting uh, increase in productivity associated with this work with, with just putting safety nets. And so he purposely thought about the, the safety associated with the workers, purposely spent extra money to, to do things like that, and he saw the increase in productivity. And so that's what I'm hoping we can do here in the United States is to look for those innovations in the area of safety that will also give us the increase in productivity. Because when you look at the productivity numbers for US construction, it, it's essentially flatlined, it's, it's level. And so this is one of those ways where we can look at innovations and considering with the number of fatalities that associate on construction sites, I think that's one area where we can, we can uh, see that productivity change and where we'll also at the same time get an increase in, uh, in safety and decrease the fatalities for work at height. I, that's such a good point. And it's what you say, it's interesting. You know, this is, I think our third or fourth podcast that we've recorded now. And this idea of productivity being tied to the human element in safety, being tied to efficiency and safety, it all, it's all connected. Yeah. And Bill Parsons and I, in our podcast, we talked about if you find that your safety equipment makes your process less efficient, mm -hmm. you didn't do a good job designing your safety equipment. Absolutely. You, you, you're trying to tick a box. You're saying, oh, we've got tie-off points and, and harnesses. Uh, well, you know, none of the guys want to wear them because they can't get their work done in time. Yeah. Well, then you probably shouldn't have just done, you know, rigid anchor posts and, and harnesses. You should have yeah. thought about something else based on the work that needs to get done. And I think it's so important. Yeah, that, that's that's a key. I, you know, the, the way I often say it, Dan, is I could design you the fanciest fall protection system. 
but if it doesn't work for the the worker, if it doesn't you know incorporate his 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 methods, his his tasks, it, it's useless. And uh, fundamentally, it's it's got to be about the worker for sure. And that's where I think you know the hierarchy control will also support the worker, so that that one mistake won't result in a fatality. And I think this you know is just a perfect kind of lead into my next question. You know, we talked about an empowering statement to the workers. But as far as the safety professionals, the people in the plants who's, who are responsible for making the decisions to keep their employees safe, you know, what concept or idea regarding fall protection would you like them to walk away from this podcast with? Beyond what we've already discussed and the hierarchy of controls uh, that I think um, is, is just something we could, we could spend an entire podcast talking about. I like to quote Dan Hen from Reliance Fall Protection. Again, I, I think I always try to find other people's quotes because they often say it much better, where, where Dan always challenges the users to visualize the outcomes. And, and the way I take that is, is play the mental movie. So when you see somebody using equipment at heights, think to yourself, you know, what kind of mistakes could they make to make sure that, 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 that uh, I have my processes and I have my procedures you know, designed to help support that, that those mistakes aren't made. But then also, if they were to fall, what's going to happen? Think about your clearances. Think about swing fall. Think about possibly material cutting on edges. Think about rescue. Think about all those things. And, and that will allow you to go address those items right now, do something. And one of the items that he always talks about associated with visualizing outcomes is raising the anchorage. When you elevate your anchorage, all the, the, you know, the measurable outcomes associated with a fall uh, improve. And so, um, so I think that though that's, that's the one item that I would ask and, and challenge safety professionals is to just visualize the outcomes. And in many cases, one of the items that you're going to process on is, is elevating your anchorages to, 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 to decrease the, the free fall, decrease the impact forces on the worker and so forth. I feel like that's, you know, when we, go into advise on solutions, you know, when we're meeting with clients, it's so easy to, you just talk about what are, what's the logical progression of the safety system? Mm-hmm. You know, if I have a, a tie off point that's over, I, I remember when I did a hospital, there was a walkway that was over a roadway and they wanted anchor points sure. on the top of the rock walkway um, for mm-hmm. the roofers to be able to traverse. And I was like, well, what about your fall distance? you know, down below, they said, oh, you know, plenty, you know, we have 23 feet here to work with plenty of fall distance. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but what about when a truck's driving by? Then what are you going to sure. do? Yeah. And yeah. it was just like, then the light bulb went off. It's like, oh, yep. no, that's not a good solution. Mm-hmm. And it's just that think it through, right? All the way to mm-hmm. the, all the Absolutely. way to the end. And if you need help, right? And I always like to, to put this in to give every safety professional out there you have so much on your plate, right? You've got to worry about signage, egress, noise levels, ergonomics. There's so many things out there. Lean on people like Tom or like me, you know, Mm -hmm. our organizations that have been in the industry for 10 years who have seen that same exact solution five or six different times and know, yep, if we do that, this is what will go wrong. We're here to help. We're here to advise. That's, that's what our goal is is as uh, fall protection experts is to share our experience to reduce the possibility of fall uh, hazards and to separate your people from hazards. So Tom, before we wrap it up here, is there anything else that you would like to add for our audience at the end? 
Yeah, so I wanted to I want to kind of close with two items, if possible. You know, just building on what you you said. You know, I, and I say this somewhat tongue in cheek when I'm when I'm presenting either a course or something like that. You know, consider me your fall protection phone a friend. Hmm. Uh, you know, call, text. I'd rather get a, a a call in the middle of the night that wakes me up out of a deep sleep and spend 20 minutes on on the phone with somebody trying to address a situation than than have a bad day and uh, otherwise. And so while I can't obviously guarantee my, you know, be able to answer my phone at three o'clock in the morning, I, I, I do want to try to, you know, just be available to, to answer those questions because, again, it's, it's, there's too many falls and there's, there's a lot of things that we can do to prevent them ahead of time. So, so that's kind of on more of a personal note. On kind of an industry note, what I've started to see is a strong movement among user organizations to demand more from their equipment manufacturers of choice. And what, what I mean by that is, is, you know, asking them for testing that goes beyond the ANSI standards because the ANSI standards are really just the minimum, uh, but for, for specific applications. Uh, also, using the manufacturers for demonstrations during toolbox talks and stand downs to, to give that, uh, that user out in the field just a different perspective uh, on fall protection. And then also just demanding better technical guidance because Again, we have to make sure that the manufacturers are there to serve us with them. Many manufacturers are stepping up. I mean, I could I could go into a nice list, but others aren't necessarily providing that. Mm. And I think that'll allow you to differentiate, you know, manufacturer A from manufacturer B. Who do you want to have your business with? It's like anything in the world, you know, the, the, the service aspect of the product sales that they have is, is very key. And I really challenge the, the people listening to that to, to think about that and think about the, their manufacturer of choice and, and who's providing them good information and, and who maybe doesn't necessarily answer the calls as often as they should. So I'll kind of end it with those two items, but you know, one on the personal side and one more on the industry side. Tom, I appreciate that. Like you said in the beginning, you know, if you're able to find a life, that's a day well spent. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely is our, absolutely. our passion. I know it's your passion. And then the ability for us, you know, as a manufacturer in, in the world of fall protection, the quality and the performance, the testing is, is so critically important. You know, we have a, a full building yeah. and a team of engineers who do nothing but that day in and day out. Because it's, sure. you know, when you're using equipment that's going to save your life, quality matters. Yeah, I, I just want to say thank you just on... on... Uh, on behalf of just my, you know, what I see in the industry, you know, of key safety for, for what you do for the ANSI standards, what, what Bill Parsons does, what Graham does. I mean, you guys are a great bunch of their key safety. Thank you for all that you do, not only here in the U.S., but in Canada and around the world uh, to create a safer work environment and to help reduce risk and improve safety for workers at heights. Thank you for all you do. Appreciate that. Thank you, Tom. I, I appreciate you saying that. And thank you for coming on this podcast. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I think our audience is really going to enjoy our conversation. So, guys, thank you all for joining us on this edition of the Rooftop Report by Key Safety. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer on the podcast, just shoot us an email at info at keysafety.com. I'm on a mission to try and bring you experts in the industry like Tom to answer your fall protection-related questions. For previous and upcoming episodes, subscribe to our channel on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. To learn more about our safety solutions, visit our website, keysafety.com. That's K-E-E, safety.com. I'm your host, Dan Huntington. Thank you so much for joining us, and stay safe out there, everybody. 